Yo, before we get into this podcast, I want to ask for a huge favor from you. And that is if you have or you are getting value from this podcast, if you were to leave us a review or subscribe, it would mean the world. And quite frankly, selfishly, it's because I want to, we want to continue sharing these conversations, this medicine with the world. And when you leave a review, when you subscribe, it's a vote. And we would love to have your vote. Nonetheless, thank you so much and enjoy. Juliana, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What is your intention for this conversation today? Uh, For God to allow whatever needs to be said to come through me. Um, That's it. Awesome. My intention is to not have to appear at all ever like I have it together and to just embrace whatever comes out in all of its organic form. It's a lot of words, but embracing the organicness of this conversation. Humanness. Humanness. And we were just talking about that right before we started. Potential tears, potential joy, all of it is welcome. Uh, So it's been a little while since we've spoken. Almost a year, actually. Yeah. And the last time I spoke with you, you were onto some really, really big things. And you actually correct me because I mentioned AI. But Mm -hmm. you are really in, as I understand it, the world of taking the information that AI provides to be able to have a larger impact on the world. So we are deep into the AI space. Um, I have people who hate when I talk about it, but AI is really important. Um, But AI has three components. Um, Number one is the technology. Number two is the information that technology gives Mm -hmm. you. And then after that information, that insights, what do you do with that information, those insights? So it's the application of that information. So I have technologies that we've built ourselves or technologies that I outsource from other people. Um, so I love all of the technology and the data and all the backend stuff. But more importantly, I like to see change. And I like to see change in my backyard. <clears throat> so I've been using all the information and insights that my artificial intelligence is telling me and aligning what needs to happen right here in my community. Uh, hence, mm-hmm. so, yeah. And you're more specifically pointing at Central Florida, correct? Because this is, as I understand it, you're still your backyard. This is my definitely my backyard. <clears throat> Everything that we're doing here is like our beta test. So um, for the last three years, we've been with One Million Cups. We've been facilitating One Million Cups. Yeah. So One Million Cups, real quick, uh, founded by the Kaufman Foundation. We have every Wednesday at nine o'clock, we have uh, two uh, companies come in and discuss their comp- their company, their startup for six minutes, just like a mm-hmm. shark tank. And we critique them for 15 minutes. Um, and through facilitating that, I learned and I grew and I learned what I needed to to grow my own company. Um, so through that and facilitating, you know, we grew as a company and people and our audience grew. So, and then, but I started to learn that if I could aggregate First of the vision, but aggregate all of the right people to be able to connect our vision and lead all of these people and building out what this vision is. Like everybody wants to get involved. They want to do stuff, but they don't know how to get involved. So I was like, look, if I cast a vision and the vision became was now known as the lab. Um, and the lab is a location where we can all get together and talk about what's happening in our community. If I can 
pull off facilitating a meeting house for us to discuss what's happening in our community and what we can do next and how we can do projects together to make our backyard grow and be better and take care of the kids and actually be present and be involved in what's happening, then, you know, that's where I went with it. So I said, you know, here's this great thing called artificial intelligence, but what are we doing with that? Mm-hmm. And how do I use this information to apply it to my community to see the difference? So now at the lab, we can see people working together. We can look at the projects. We can help with the projects. There's a space for us to be able to connect and say, if I do this aspect over here for this project and you do that aspect of the project over there, how much further, how much more can we do together? Mm. So getting people to collaborate with each other, using artificial intelligence and watching it actually work. Okay. I had two things come up for me. The first is, what is your, I mean, DeVrive, and I think that it filters into what you're doing, but DeVrive the AI, what is like your mission as a you know human? Like, um, give voice to the children um, and seeing the fact that we're looking at society that isn't about them, because if it was, we wouldn't have 2,000 homeless children right here in Orange County. Uh, we wouldn't have the educational system that we have. Um, life would look a lot different even for us startups, you know, because, you know, we're the lifeblood, we're the moms and dads of the little kids, you know, we're not the big companies like Walmarts, we're just a startup community going, we're trying to make a living just like the next guy who has a job. Um, So it's about the children, it's about having a society that works for them, for all of us. And here's what's funny, it's like I'm I'm a hardcore libertarian, You know, I believe in, you know, when Jesus walked the planet, the government wasn't taking care of people. The people were taking care of the people. You know, we need to get back to that. So the government's there for law and order and make sure we're okay, right? But outside of that, you know, let us, you know, empower us, the other organizations who are doing for our own people because we know what's happening in our backyard. You know, using artificial intelligence and having our community come together and saying, we're all eyeballs and what's happening. How do we aggregate all of the information of what we're collecting so that we can look at it together and say, let's make some decisions hmm. and let's work together. You know, I was just talking, I heard my coach say this recently where he said that most people want to complain about what's going on wrong in the world and like, oh, the education system and oh, the healthcare and oh, you know, politics, whatever it is. He said most people are willing to complain, but very few people are actually willing to do anything about it. And uh-huh. that hit dead silence for me because I was just like, how many things have I personally, because I'm always going to, I'm a big person on personal reflection and anything that I see out in the world, I believe that if I don't like it, it's some kind of internal reflection of myself mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I was just like, how many times have I complained about something in the way that it was? And I didn't follow up and do something about it. And thusly, what does that look like out in our society? Because unlike you, I think many people aren't actually putting their money with their mouth, so to speak, where it's like, this is a problem to me, but I'm just going to, you know, excuse my French, I'm just going to bitch and moan about it. Right. I'm just going to complain, but I'm not doing anything. Meanwhile, you're over here providing a solution and an opportunity for that to begin to actually manifest, which naturally perfectly leads into like my second thought. And I wanted to bring to your attention is, is 
for someone like myself, and I'm sure many, there probably isn't a full understanding of the complexity and the real possibility of AI. Because when I think AI, like truth be told, like I'm straight, like straight to Skynet. I'm like, oh man, how long till how long till AI takes over? And you know, what yeah. was once under our control is now you know going around robotic and taking you know taking over the world, so to speak. Like, how does where does that for someone who's uneducated like myself or just uncertain or doesn't really have a full knowing, where does that come into play? So artificial intelligence is supposed to help us. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to hinder us. And, you know, artificial intelligence has been for many decades. It's now coming to light, but, you know, it's been weaponized against us. And it's time for, you know, us, the good guys to stand up and say, you know, we learned what you knew. Right. And now we're saying we're going to apply it to be able to help people instead of using it against people. You know, it's a known fact that it costs the government less to house every single person than it is to keep them homeless. Therefore, who's making the money on it? Right. I'm here to say artificial intelligence can start looking at and start spotlighting, highlighting the things that we go because X and Y and Z happens. Here are the consequences. And we need to have a what's the parameters? Why, what, why are we looking at all of this? And, you know, what are our measurements? And right now, if we were to look at all of that, it's all backwards. Everything's done by design. If it's done by design in this way, it could be done by design in a positive way. Therefore, I mean, when we start talking about free energy, when we start, start talking about <clears throat> people being able to get cures that are out there, that they've been suppressing these from us, you know, this is nothing new. Everything that's coming out, you know, now it's time for us to use that to say humanity. We weren't supposed to be like this. We were we were meant to be creative. We were meant to connect with each other. We were meant to love each other. We were meant to move humanity forward. We were meant to grow together in love. But yet we haven't been able to because we've been indoctrinating. You know, we've been told to go to school and to memorize things that you know what I'm saying. We Irrelevant were, soon after. Yeah. I mean, you know, where, where is it in school? Did you hear about, you know, we're going to look at the child and what is their genius so that we can craft the environment that they need to be in so that they can flourish and be all that they were meant to be. Like we're all here for a reason. And if you dumb us down, you can't, you'll never find our genius. I think that that's fundamentally at the core. One of the things that I'm most strongly frustrated by in the education system and at large, why is it that, I mean, basic fundamental things that I think every human should know, one, money and finances and understanding the, the cost of a dollar and how far it goes and investment and like long-term vision with money. Two is, like you mentioned, like identifying one zone of genius or the things, how to turn what I love and I'm passionate about in conjunction with what I can learn and teach myself and become expert at or whatever it is and take that and turn into something that is one enjoyable for the person. And two is also a contribution to society. But instead I'd rather take every single person. This is how I conceptualize. This may not be the truth, but it's like you take every single person, you put them through this filter and you start to weed out the ones who don't immediately hit your, your markers. You know, I got to get X grades and the ones who take higher level courses, higher level courses, eventually you can get to this point, but you automatically toss out entire population of people for those who can't afford it. And you also 
basically create a bunch of cookie cutters to plug them into the system. It's a, it's a system. It's a, a system that, as I understand it, was you know, developed forever ago, and there's been very little changes to it whatsoever. And here we are, when you just look at some of the, at least what I see, some of the things is that like things like mental health and, mm-hmm. and like the collective, what I'm experiencing is like this collective like question mark people are are asking more questions now and think to your point about waking up. Yeah. What is, what is the reality here? Because now people, I have, I have my cell phone. Like I can look up anything on the, you know, in the world within like that. Like I and now you have (laughs) like kids who are six, seven, eight, probably even younger, you know, pick up an iPad and they're like fully functioning, navigating, watching videos. Like they have access to all this information. I think that the collective child is now getting smarter when it comes to the point where we wake up and we're like, wait, wait a second. And you said it earlier and I was going to kind of poke at it, which was, the good guys, which I'm, I'm assuming you mean uh, entrepreneurs and people who are really trying to help build out the economy and, and supporting one another at micro to macro versus thinking that macro is taking care of you. Right. I'm not sure that that reality is certain anymore. If we don't come together as people, you know what I'm saying? We need to. We need yeah. to. We were born to be together not to be separate we're for example okay um i had people say to me you know why couldn't you just build a simple business well because i don't think that way i'm a visionary type of person right so for me for me to be able to do that i needed an organization i needed you know other i needed a main company that was like a holding company i needed strategic relationships joint venture relationships i needed another company over here like I needed to build out a whole sphere of what I needed on a back end for an organization as a company to do what I need to do. That required so many people. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do what I've done by myself. There's no way. You know, that's why I always tell my one million cups guys. And if we don't have someone here that can help us do whatever it is that we need to do as a community, it's our job to go out into our community and go find that person and say, hey, we need help. You know, all I feel like is I'm facilitating the here's the opportunity. How do we cultivate it? Because I walked into one million cups and I said, I need help. I have a vision. How do you help me here? And there was nobody to look at me in triage and say, here, get a board of advisors together, Juliana. Let's start bringing in the types of minds so that we can start looking at and dissecting what it is that you're trying to accomplish. So I said, okay, well, since the person's not here, I'll cultivate my, my community. Mm-hmm. And I'll start saying, hey, if we all start helping each other. We'll all start winning. And for some reason, you know, people started believing that. And it became like viral and people got all excited. You know, I created this culture of, you know, if we all lock arms, we've got people that got funded. We've got people that have exits. I mean, just like to me, that's incredible. I think I went on a little bit of a tangent and I lost where I was going with all that. Well, I think everything you're pointing at is about community. You mean everything as a collective, it's about how do we come together and, you know, call it community, call it, you know, your family outside your family, call it your tribe. Lately, I'm calling it the pack, hence wolf. Um, Being able to find that group of people who is so for you 
and is willing to put every single bit of like resources that they have out there on the line for you. And now more than ever, I mean, you know, just kind of pointing out what, when this is currently being recorded, like, you know, COVID-19 is still very present and probably is going to be hanging out for a little while now. And what I'm seeing is that (laughs) the thing that people are so yearning for is this connection. Like for me, I know I want a damn hug. Like I want to, <laughs> I want to be with my people. I want to love on them. I want like, they call them cuddle puddles, just like being able to just be with your people. And at the core of it, whether you're building out something as massive as you are, or, you know, something which I'm trying to do, which isn't to that scale, it's at the core of it, we see that tribe, community, pack is necessary. Because there is a certain level of, I believe, of being a lone wolf in one term where you go and you do your own work and you go in and you do that reflection, you do what's necessary in order to come back an even better version of yourself. But then you come and you get your people and you say, okay, where are we going? How can I support you? Right. Iron sharpens iron, baby. Absolutely. That's why I have no problem stepping up to somebody and going, hey, we need to have a conversation. And I respect people who step up to me and go, you pissed me off. That's, I have no problem with that. <laughs> Commenting to my face, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it takes a community to become who you need to be to do the things that's your genius. I mean, I've helped people in a measurable amount of ways, but I had to grow into who I am. I didn't just like all of a sudden become this Juliana that you seen before you. Because three years ago, you know, for the first year, I'll be honest, for the first year we did one million caps. I was never on stage. I was like, uh uh-uh, I'm not them saying No, thank you. Uh -uh. So Rob's background is in media. Like, he's all MC and stuff. And I'm like, you're fine. I'll stay behind the scenes. So he really was the heavyweight. When year two came around, I was like, look, the business has to grow. The community has to grow. And being a husband and wife team, I think, is really helpful. Okay? And I think that we need to... It's done properly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Look at Red Elephant. They're doing phenomenal. Husband and wife team. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second year, I kept saying, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be up there now. And I just, I put that, I'm going to be the person that I have to be to do the things that I've been called to do. Because the Juliana of yesterday can't do what the Juliana of tomorrow needs to do. So I sat here and I, and I said, for the next year, I'm just going to grow. And I'm going to make all these wonderful mistakes in front of my guys. But it's okay. Because they're my guys. Right? They helped me. Like my girlfriend saying the other day was like, Juliana, I can listen to you all day long, but you like sway back and forth. And I'm like, I do. It's the ADD in me. So I have a really hard time sitting <laughs> still, which is why the hands are going. I'm also time I can't help that either. But it's all about, you know, how do we help each other and yeah. grow each other? Yeah. So obviously you're in a, what I would call to a, a well a well put together position in life. Not that we all necessarily have it all together. I'm a firm believer that, and I have not yet met somebody who has everything together. Mm-hmm. However, for myself, I know that I'm not perfectly put together, that I'm, I'm constantly in this state of like figuring it out. But you, you pointed at your, uh, your, you know, Juliana of yesterday, mm-hmm. where's some of the humanness in that? Cause obviously you are where you are and you're constantly growing, you're constantly striving, but I'm, what, what was what was she like like what where where did that shift start to occur um whew, that's a loaded question okay so i'll just unpack it and i'll be honest 
Um, I had a massive nervous breakdown. Um, I had left my daughter when she was nine, left with her mm-hmm. dad. I knew that I couldn't take her with me. So for the three year, first three years, um, she was finishing up middle school. And I left her in Georgia where she was, you know, in her school and whatnot. And it wouldn't disrupt anything. But she was coming for high school. And I said to myself, the woman that I was, I left because I didn't want her to become me. I was in a not a very good marriage. Um, I wasn't strong. Um, I had a lot of the whatevers from childhood and stuff like that. You know, all that stuff that you have to go do that introspection and figure it out. Um, so I went on like a crash course and I said to myself, my daughter's coming. She's going to be with me for high school. I want her to look up to, to me um, and see, edify somebody that I want her to edify. So she was always my one. Um, and then I met Rob, RC. Uh, and of course, you know, you really find yourself in relationships. So that was a lot of, you know, iron sharpening iron between he, he and I. Um, so I didn't really have a choice. My life was all about God leading me. Like I'm very open and clairvoyant. Um, so God would have me do things that I was like, I don't understand this, but then it would all make sense later on. So I just did what I was told to do and it just led me to where I am today. So, you know, do I have it all figured out? No, actually, um, I have so many variables. You have no idea. So <laughs> right? I signed the lease for the lab. The following week, it's like, y'all, COVID-19, no getting together. So I'm like, you know, emailing the like, landlord going, shit, you know, like, you want another 2700 bucks? <laughs> I can't even do an event to start raising money. Can I hold off on that? So, yeah, stuff fluxes happened. Sure. But yeah. Yeah, but yet I, I've positioned myself where it's like, and thank God for the stimulus package and what they're doing with unemployment and all of the fun stuff, because we're taking advantage of the situation. So even though at the moment it's like, oh my God, I can't be at the lab. I can't be working out of my, my location and whatnot. But yet on the back end, we're writing out like our um, white paper about the lab and what we're doing. We're running after what's called CDFIs, which is monies out there, right? We're sitting here going, oh my God, like we really needed the lab meeting house for us to get together. Now that COVID 19's happened and our normal is completely disrupted and we need to figure out the new normal, we need the lab more than ever before. We need a space to come together and go, who are we? What are we doing? We have a moment in time where there's a before this and after this to define what, do, how do we want to be seen as Orlando? Let's take advantage of it. So I'm sitting here going, let's work on the back end. Everything, all the business stuff that I needed to have done, financials, whatnot, being prepared to be able to get, take sponsorship, to be able to get funding for the company, investments and whatnot. Like I'm just taking this time and saying, you know, Everything that was put on pause, I was trying to do, fitting it in between. Well, you know, shit, I can't do anything else. I might as well get the company, the foundation. We've started another foundation. Everything in alignment because people are going to be looking for answers. People are going to be wanting to come together. They're going to want that hug. You know, where do we meet? Well, you know, we could all meet at the lab. You know, all my people and my tribe and stuff like that. You know, we need a space that we can all say as a community, this is home. 
You can come here and come hang out and find your people here. Yeah. I mean, you've done you've done a phenomenal job of being able to take whatever it is that life is giving you and figure it out. Because I know that. It, there probably was some process that you had to have gone through in order to have gotten that point, unless you're just that miraculous where you're just like, all right, screw it. We got everything figured out. Let's go. You know, if you're like me, then you went through like a uh, process of, I mean, I've had my own like fits and ups and downs of like, and I think I, I think I feel other people really deeply more than I realize that I do. I think I'm far more empathic than I thought. So I was feeling like, fits of like depression and anxiety and like real scatteredness. I'm like, man, like, where's all this coming from? Like it was all over the place. So, I mean, I went through my own like period where I was just like, I need to kind of spend a little bit, a little bit more time like with myself kind of doing that work. But I I'm blown away and flabbergasted by like how you've just immediately taken whatever it is that's going on and, and turned it into <clears throat> something we're now, which I think is great. I think so many of us can do is, how do I build out the back end or all the things that I haven't been getting to that this fat list of things I've wanted to get to, but now we're priority. Now it's like, Oh, now I have, I can reallocate my time to knock these things out, which is absolutely brilliant. Something. Yeah. It's it's almost like God said, time out. Y'all need a timeout. (laughs) Everyone time out. (laughs) Yeah. Go to your room. Right. But what are you doing to take advantage of the situation? Yeah. How are you moving your agenda forward? MTN, move the needle. I, I, everything about me is about moving the needle. How do, show me the results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. How do you keep on, because I'm sure you have plenty of things like kind of pulling your attention at a given point in time. How do you maintain sanity? What are some of your your strategies, your ways that you, I know that, I know for a fact, RC is a big, big strategy. I know he's helping an immense amount keeping you on task as well. Cause if you're like us, you're ADD, HD, B, XYZ, up, up, down, BB square, you know, all over the place. So it's you have that rock to just kind of keep you going. But what are some things that you personally implement? Um, a quiet room. So I sit and I put on my 432 hertz or whatever relaxation. Um, I spend a lot of time with God, a lot of faith, a lot of faith. Um, I'm really big on seeing the vision. So I spend a lot of time having to really look at opportunities and next steps. And I meditate on it. I like literally just, it's a storyline. I need to create the storyline. yeah, what else do I do? I don't know. I mean, everything that I do, I'm like 150% focused on just being on purpose with the company and the foundation um, and what needs to happen next um, for relaxation. Faith. I mean, I don't know what else to say except for that. Sanity. Knowing that mm. God is in control. Knowing that I'm not. Hey, here we go. Here's a good answer for you. Everyone thinks that they have this thing called free will. They really don't. When you submit your will into the will that God, you know, for what your purpose is, and you just say, you know what, Lord, I'm just here. You tell me what to do because you know the master plan and I don't. I'm just here. I always say that I may be the CEO of this company, but I just signed as CEO because I'm really good at doing what I'm told to do because I know the results of not doing that. So just knowing that he's in control and that even if I screw up, 
And I always go, Lord, if I screwed up, you make sure that that's, you know, made for my benefit somehow. And you show me how I need to correct the situation and just know that everything's happening the way that it needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like, you know, he leaves you clues to make sure that you're doing the right thing. But if you're really on purpose and you've submitted to what it is that you've been called to do, it's almost like the path just happens. It opens up for you. Opportunities show up. But you have to believe that. So one of the things that keeps me sane is being in control of what I'm thinking. If my mm-hmm. thinking is stinking, I forget it. I mean, you create your world because of what you think. If you can't control this, I was in a situation where I was in an abusive relationship and this guy's yelling at me. It's eight o'clock in the morning. I'm in bed. I'm like, why are you yelling? And I just laid there and the angels were saying to me, just listen. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, that's how you speak to yourself. And I'm like, what? And they're all like, yeah. You want to control how people speak to you and around you? You need to control how you speak to yourself. You, Your inner world creates your outer world, period. And once you can take control of this and take responsibility for your actions and your attitudes, and you let God just do through you what it is that you were called to do, I'm sorry, but I feel unstoppable. It's not my play. It's his play. I just do what I'm told. Mm. I rest in that. I don't know if that was me or who it was, but it doesn't matter. That was me. Might something came through. God was like, yep, that's so. Everything she said, I'm with it. <laughs> so uh, this is interesting. This has come up multiple times into like my thought pattern awareness. And I was just like, okay, we'll come back to that. But it's come up multiple times. So I've heard you. I'm I'm very curious about your perspective. Here's the reason why. Uh, regarding, uh, whether you call religion, spirituality, whatever it is, I grew up very, uh, Christian indoctrinated into Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point I started to become curious about things outside of the, the indoctrination that I had been given because I had received certain messages like, like, you know, being gay is a sin and, uh, this, just like this, a bunch of things that were given to me where I just personally didn't identify with them. So I went on my own path where I realized at least where I stand now, fundamentally at the core of everything I do is that love is my religion. That it is, if it's not loving to me, to the people around me and to towards a life that I love, that it's, it's not in alignment. And I'm curious because you say you're liberal, you have a pendant libertarian different, very different very different libertarian. You have a pendant around your neck, which I would assume is indicative of that of the cross. And you also mentioned meditation and, you know, tapping into that and being guided by that, which to me is like, it, it conflicts, not conflicts, but it amends and molds all these things that I've inherently separated for the most part. Cause most of the time it's like, you're kind of your, at least my experience is like, for example, Christianity, like I, a lot of people I grew up around with this, like meditations, like, Oh, that's woo woo. That is, that is, you know, for the, for the, for the sage burners and the weed smokers, uh, type thing. (laughs) Right. So I, okay. So now, okay. Now just more bridges have just been connected to my brain. I'm so confused by all of it. Walk me through this. Where, where is your stance on this? Cause obviously it's, it's, it guides a lot of your life. Like Mm -hmm. God, your, your experience of God, I call it universe, spirit, source. Like everyone's got kind of like their different flavor of how they, you know, I think it's all the same. We just have different names for it. Yeah. Uh, what is your relationship to that? Because obviously it is a foundation for how you interact with the world. Wow. I like the way you said that. 
foundation for how I interact with the world. Yes. So we contextualize me a little bit. Ready? Born into a very Catholic Italian family. You know what I'm saying? Very <laughs> Catholic. I went to Catholic grade school and all girls Catholic high school. Let's start with that. Um, but I was also born awake. So I could see, I'm telling you something, I can't believe I'm saying this. <clears throat> I can see this dimension and I can see the spiritual dimension. So mm -hmm. I could, when I was walking as a little child, like I could see my mom, my grandmother, and they're doing stuff or whatever. I'm like one, toddling around or whatever. But I also could see all of my spiritual friends that I was interacting with them. And I was like that till I was about 12. Um, so I know that, you know, we're interdimensional beings. I know that, you know, they're only, the only thing there is is now, right? Um, I also know there's a lot of corruption in, you know, the Catholic world um i saw a child being trafficked in the nunnery across the street from my house and from the grade school that i went to um so i saw things that were horrific um drug house across the street for me two pedophiles living down the street for me trying to get me into their house Walking along the avenue wasn't a matter of if somebody was going to whistle at me or say something in my ear. It was how many times it was going to happen. Average was probably about seven or eight times. You know, here I am, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, walking the streets of Brooklyn, being sexualized by men all the time. It was just a way of life. Um, and it made all of that, the culmination of all of that, really made me just go within. I walked away from church. In that regard, um, I had a fundamental belief in God that never changed. And my belief in Yeshua or Jesus or whatever you want to call him, like, you know, I interacted with, you know, I understand this thing called the spiritual world. As somebody asked me, you know, what was it like understanding the spiritual world? I'm like, being a spirit is easy. It's being this human that really sucks. <laughs> like, I'm like, Lord, like, I don't want to leave and come back here. Like, let me accomplish the mission you've set me on because just no. No, I mean, on earth as it is in heaven, if you're bringing heaven down here, which I really think that's happening, I think we're in revelations and I think Jesus is coming. But having said that, if we could bring heaven down on earth, then I would love to stay here. But outside of that, this place is like, oh my God, you know, and I really feel called that I came down to be able to be one of the teachers, to create an opportunity to help society be ready for this change. I mean, the younger guys, you know, the millennials and the younger guys, they're not putting up with this. They're not going to allow children to be homeless like this. They're not going to allow a government. This is why they're leaning towards socialism. I can understand why they're going Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. I would too. Okay? You can't treat people like this and think that we're not going to come together and say no more. And the younger guys, they're, they're more like my grandparents' generation, where they're all about love and family and take care of each other. And gosh darn it, as a community, as a society, we need to get back to that. We need to get back to it. Instead of thinking that you're my competitor, that you're somebody that can actually help me and I can help you. We need to work together and do whatever we can accomplish. If we all work together, imagine what we can accomplish. You know? There's no reason for it. The things that I went through as a child, unnecessary. There's no reason that I have in my mind as a little 10-year-old seeing a little boy in his whitey tidies in the nunnery. I'm sorry. 
I should not, you know, I can only imagine what other children have gone through. This is not appropriate. This is not what God had intended for us to look like. You know, so we've got sociopaths that are running everything. So belief that a child is divine, came here as a beautiful spirit, you know, that's my passion. Everything that I do and my feelings about God and religion and everything else like that, it kind of comes down to what you just said of love. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need to know you, child, to love you. I love, period. I love. Because you're a kid, I'm going to love on you. I'm going to pick you up, I'm going to kiss you, I'm going to hug you, I'm going to hold you, I'm going to tell you that you're okay because I got you now, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I always say that I'm a mama to all. Every child should be taken care of. They didn't ask to come here. We should be taking care of them. So, Whatever religion is, whatever, for me, it's all about doing the right thing, making sure that love prevails, and taking care of each other. I can ride that wave. I think that it's unfortunate that I believe that at the core of all religion and faith, it would I would imagine that that would be the number one guide as Marion Williamson's book says a return to love. It's like Mm -hmm. when the veil comes down, when the illusion has been removed, what we see is that the thing that we want more than anything, at least I speak for myself is love. It's like, it's like, why didn't, why does any, no one ever actually really wants money. I I had this conversation with my dad is like, no one wants money. They want what they can get with money. And if what I can get with money, it's like, okay, well, why do you want a boat? And it's just like, well, cause I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It brings me, it brings me joy. It's just like, okay, why does, you know, you can, you can widen up, but what you get to the core of is that people want to feel a certain way. I want to feel happy. I want to feel excited. I want to feel loved. And this comes. Appreciated scene. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We're not doing that right now. We need to do that for each other. That's why I love the Iron Shepherd's Iron. That's why I don't have a problem going, you know, I have an issue. Let's have a conversation. Because I want people to go, I see you. Yeah. Good at that. And we're not going to ignore the negative either because I love you enough to go, there's an issue here. And if I make a mistake, please say something to me. Right? Because how do I become a better person? How do I become a better parent or whatever it may be? If I don't have people around me going, hey, Juliana, let me keep you on your toes. True love says, your boundaries. True love says, unconditional. True love says, I'm not going to withhold information from you. True love is, I'm going to be transparent and say, I see you. I see the good. I see the bad. It doesn't matter because I love you enough to see all of it. Sorry about that. My <laughs> my phone decided it wanted to set an alarm that I didn't choose it to go off for. So, <laughs> I think your hair's longer than mine. It I probably it probably is. It's down to below my chest line, probably. Yeah, it's getting pretty gnarly. So yes, I got distracted. But <clears throat> you're talking about how I came about to this weird position and my feelings about religion and stuff like that. The root, the root of all of it, like we pointed out, is is love, and that's that should ultimately be the guiding factor. Using religion and other mm, constructs or contexts to create divisiveness is very confusing to me. It's like where where did we get so stuck and twisted in our head that? And I think that's what it comes down to is we're more committed 
to being right and proving someone else wrong than we are committed to the greater good of someone. And this is something that's come up for a lot for me lately because who I'm showing up as in conversation, the context that I'm coming from, right or wrong versus love and affinity, you can't have those coexist in the same space. It's mm-hmm. not it's not possible. As my coach, one of my coaches said to me is you can't have two things in the same place. It doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. You can't say I'm committed to love and I want to love you, but let me tell you why you're wrong. You can say you're wrong and and just own that you're trying to be right or prove wrong. And then once you clear that out, you can kind of bring that back, but it doesn't exist in the same place. Mm-hmm. And being able to have that kind of recognition that when we're always trying to prove a point, it's hard to be able to realize that we all have a different perspective. You can see this side, I can see this side, but it's the willingness to see both sides and either say, Oh, I get what you're saying. That doesn't exactly like, you know, it doesn't accommodate and work with what it is that I'm currently building out, but I can respect to see where you're coming from. And there's no need to then say we can't be in, uh, in a space together, but we can just, you know, the old saying like agree to disagree and, and that's okay. And look for the commonalities. But just so you know, everything that you just said is what my artificial intelligence does. It helps to build out and see perspectives. Mm. Exactly what you just said. Because everybody sees life differently. They aggregate and and look for the information to bring that information in, right? Then they're analyzing that information and then they're coming up with an opinion. Right. But if you're able to see something from a different perspective, it gives you more empathy towards how other people will see that same exact thing. So being able to see something from a 360 degree perspective is really important. So my background and my education, um, where most people were taking traditional college courses, I was taking was called integrative study courses. So, for example, we would look at a theme. And that theme could be looking at four different topics. So, for example, my largest class was the Civil War. Mm-hmm. 50, 50 students, only 50 students. But I had four different professors teaching this one class. And to for the class, it was, wasn't tasks. It was books that I had to read, papers I had to write, and, you know, having to stand up in front of class and answer questions. It was really comprehensive in understanding the Civil War from a comprehensive perspective. People don't look at life from a comprehensive perspective. They have their own background. They have their own biases, so which creates the perspective that they're looking at. So sometimes people get blinders and being able to see other people's perspective. But when you see other people's perspective, that's when compassion comes in. You know, because we all are so different and we see things so differently. Our backgrounds are so different. But in that difference is the beauty. Mm-hmm. Right. But people want to look at the differences and say they're negative. No, we're all different. That's beautiful. You know, we're not a melting pot. I hate that. You know, we're salad, you know, some lettuce, some tomatoes. Right. You know, we're all different. It's what it's us coming together. That makes it so beautiful. It's our differences that makes us beautiful. Not just what makes not just what we're uh, the same about. Yeah. I would imagine that the reason why that that gets like so pushed up against, because I agree with you. I agree with you that the uniqueness and the, as they call it, like the imperfect, the perfect imperfections, like all of those things are ultimately what allow us to have 
fun and to and to mend and to mold and to blend with each other's energies but there's also a certain degree of like our brain if if left unattended to wants to put everything inside of a box and understand it and it's hard for me to understand you if you don't agree with how i view and look at things and as opposed to seeing it as this like curious childlike wonder where everything is brilliant and even if your view on the you know, mean you can both look at the the cloud or the i'm looking out of the window right now but we, you and i can both look at the exact same cloud and see something completely different exactly exactly and also know the fact that when you have a genius i always say this there's a deficit in the genius what makes you so incredible at this thing over here there's an equal, you know, negative to that that gives you a blind spot because you needed this genius to come about. So you need other mm. people and say, okay, I'm not good at that. So like I tell everybody, I'm terrible at follow-up. I'm terrible at email. You know this. Contact my <laughs> husband. He'll get you on the calendar because if you wait for me, forget it. It's going to be ruined, right? But that's my deficit because my genius is the vision. My genius is see, helping to figure out how to create this vision into manifestation, right? But it's mm. not the details. And my people know that. So like, for example, this white paper, I think is like eight pages long already. So we had conversations. My first two guys sat there, two people sat there and typed the whole thing out, then emailed it to you know, RC and I, and then the two of us looked at it and we said, hey, we think the four of us got together, we recreated it and we said, hey, we're going to take it in this direction, fantastic. Now RC is redoing it. If it wasn't for, and then we're going to send it to somebody else, a fifth person who's going to look at it because he's sending it to a sixth person who's going to help us get the money for everything that we're doing. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't even do this if it wasn't the fact that I had the right people around me doing the things that I can't do. All I said to them was, here's what I'm looking at. They all said, I'll start typing if you can keep giving us the vision so that we can say in a way that that's the right story that attracts the right people to fund what it is that we're looking to do. Mm. You need people. I mean, that at the core of everything we're talking about, again, community, and also you brought up, again, zone of genius, or just really becoming so familiar with oneself. Like, for me, I personally, I think I identify more with your energy in that, like, very, like, but when it comes to, like, the nitty-gritty, like, details, at least I'm speaking for myself, like, I am not the best when it comes to, like, the very fine-tuned things. Even you just saying them, like, man, I have got to surround myself with someone who loves and can pay attention to that because that's the thing that moves me to the opposite side of the spectrum of motivation. I'm just like, oh, this is so tedious. And yes, this is part of the process, but man, if I could delegate or create or collaborate with somebody who could do this like my genius is inside of like honestly if i could do most things my way it would be like off the cuff like i find that naturally i do hence these conversations i don't have bullet points i don't have questions i don't have everything mapped out my natural way is to kind of go with the flow and it and and the kind of weird thing that i've had to embody you know kind of building a business around you know, this whole concept is I have to become extremely structured and organized. And mm. I think for myself, what that does unconsciously is like my natural energetic expression actually gets, I think, I think to a certain degree, I'm constantly having to wear this mask 
this identity because it's like, well, this is what I have to be in order to make this work right now. And at the same time that when I finally allow myself to let go and not have to have all that structure or at least not be responsible for the, the structure of it all, that's when my energy starts to really be fully embodied again. I'm just like, oh yes, this is it. But in the meantime, I'm having to, to wear all the hats and it's, it's a struggle. So for you to be able to have that community and that around you, it allows you to thrive at what you're doing and not have to get lost in all the, the minutia of being something for a bunch of people that you're not. Like you can just focus on what you do and let that be the thing that's guiding. I always say, this is my lane. This is your lane. This is where we're, inter- we're over- overlapped. You know, we're all running in the same, you know, pace and whatnot, because what you just described is very challenging. Like I couldn't handle it, especially the learning and the nitty gritty and making sure on all the technical stuff that you have to do for the podcasting and whatnot. Like I just look at RC and go, thank God that he understands all of that because I I would be totally lost. Like I would be someone with all this wonderful vision and I just, I would never be able to see it come to fruition. Because I wouldn't have been able to do all the details. Like kudos to you, Wolfram. Yeah, it's not mm, easy. Kudos. We'll put air quote kudos around that. We'll check back with me in a couple of years, see how I'm doing. Because it's a struggle. No, seriously, it is such a struggle. I, my, I'm very fortunate that my family's been so supportive in this journey. Like I'm, not that this is like a, a complaint, a complaint whatsoever. But it's like you know, I'm I'm working pretty much you know six and a half days a week, and it gets a little bit like running in circles and mundane up here when you don't have someone to constantly bounce ideas back off to and to be able to pick up that, that slack, so to speak. Cause uh, I relate to myself as being someone who like is highly motivational. Like I, I do my best to always inspire and to put that out there and at the same time when you're with yourself all the time, it's like, man, I could really use someone to kind of keep myself going. So the fact that you are able to distinguish that and, and handle it is brilliant. And my hope is that I can, I can create that same level or that same type of team. Cause I know for a fact, I thrive at team. I know for a fact, I thrive when I have people who are by my side saying, yo, you don't have to be strong all the time. Like let us support you because I know at my core, one of the things that drives my behavior is the belief that I'll never have been enough. If, mm. And and that is not a place that I want to continue coming from. It's like, I'm enough because I'm enough. And I know that in my enoughness, it's okay for me to say, I've been carrying this backpack and it's 115 pounds. And yes, I could carry it, but damn, this could go a whole lot smoother. And I would have a lot less of a burden by being able to distribute that amongst the people who are around me dream to their dream and together we can figure out that's why I have all these people in alignment helping me do all this because we're all going to benefit the companies the foundations I could never do it alone but when you find the right people to move your agenda forward it's amazing what you're able to accomplish but everybody needs to have their tribe everyone you know, Red Elephant's doing a phenomenal job of, you know, having a tribe of people all striving, all wanting, all yearning, all pushing towards being their best and building out their business. And that's what we need. We need that culture. We need the people around us to do that with us. So tell me more about Follow the Wolf. How is that going? How's it going? Uh, honestly, from a back end and 
uh, like management and like kind of setting up all the system structures and processes and everything, it's been going really well. Like I've been getting more and more clarity around the message of it, which in its core, hence the podcast is, uh, this is like, this is like the main concept that I'm running with right now is the concept of how do we go from filling a hole to becoming whole in that whether it's drugs, alcohol, social media, even relationships, how do we go from unconsciously taking things in our external environment to, to satiate some kind of internal feeling of perpetual emptiness? It's like pouring into a cup that's got the hole, like at the bottom of it, it's just out. How do we go from doing that to moving within and creating wholeness and following the wolf is following your truth, your finding your, as you kind of talk, uh, kind of pointed at is I think we come into this world divine. We are divine. Mm-hmm. We are of that divinity. So how do we remember that? Who remember who we truly are. And from that space, create and move forward. And I've, where I have gotten stuck on the business is, and I'm working through it actively, is the belief that, man, how do I monetize something like that? Stay true to who I am because what I'm not willing to uh, settle on anymore is my, my laurels. I'm not willing to become somebody for a group of people that I'm not because at the core of my message, like that'd be going against every single thing that I believe in. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's the journey. The journey is okay. Getting in front of the right people, cultivating a community. Cause that's really what I want to do now more than anything is create a pack. This group of people who's like, I'm all about doing the deep work and I want to do with people who are for me. And how do we take what we got and collectively grow each other's visions and get there? That's what it's all about. So you, so that's what we do as a company. That's how we, that's how we help people like you do exactly what you just said. So we bring in the technologies to undergird what you just said. So let's talk. Imagine that. Imagine that. And you know what? Here's what's interesting is that you know we've we've been doing this, but describing it, I could have said what you just said. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we do. How come I can't say it that way? So thank you for saying that. It's amazing what happens. You get a level of community. So how? Um, okay, so you so you're growing all the internal workings. You're growing um, mm-hmm. your storyline and stuff like that. Yeah. The so the, all of that's being built out, like at the core of it right now, it's what I'm actually now currently blending is I, by nature, am, uh, I'm a very kinesthetic individual. And this is where I was starting to fall out of love with the idea of a business and falling more in love with the idea of creating a community, which I know naturally can be integrated, but I kept having people push me in the direction of, oh, teach kids how to Well, I didn't really, I think this is what I thought. Let me take that back. The reality is that I thought that people were going to want me to talk about, you know, teaching their kids to get better grades and everything. I'm like, that's not, that's not who I am. Like the things that I'm teaching youth naturally actually filter into that. Like what what I'm teaching and and sharing through like the mindset and developing of structures and processes. I'm a a, uh, structures and processes guy. Like my degree is in instructional design and education at the corporate level in psychology. So like, I'm really good in, in all that sphere. However, my 
I'm not going to ever be the person to say, yeah, I'm going to make your kids get better grades. Sure. That's been a byproduct of every single person that I've worked with who is in the you know education system, but I wasn't willing to, to go that path. And for me, part of this podcast, the selfish thing about it was my hope was that in me having these conversations with people, I would be getting reflections back of what it is that I'm trying to create. So not only am I hoping that people who listen get something, but I'm also walking myself through the same process from a vulnerable, authentic, like I don't have this figured out and I'm so okay with it. And naturally it would start to unfold because I do coaching. I'm, I'm, I really am great at the coaching piece, but the, the piece that was missing for me was I'm an acrobat. Uh-huh. I did competitive Olympic style weightlifting for a while. I did cheerleading. I did all these things. And now what I see that is I want to blend my expertise and or my love at least for movement with this concept or rather this thing around finding yourself. It's being able to implement mindset, movement, and motivation into this cohesive thing that allows people to get embodied and live as an expression of their truth. I love that. I love that. And that's why I love you. That was amazing. But that's, I mean, that's the emotional skills that you're helping kids to develop. In other countries like Japan, they don't take tests and stuff like that for the, until like fourth grade or fifth grade or something like that. Because it's all about who you are as an individual and cultivating mm-hmm. your genius and your love and your compassion and you know how to work in unison with the other people that are around you. It's about mm-hmm. building that culture, the respect. We've lost all of that. You want to bring all of that back in and that, we need, as a culture, we need that. You're, there's almost like a reset button is what you're saying. You know, follow the wolf. We're going to talk about what it means to be authentically who you are, kid. You know, not that you need to conform to this world, but this world's going to create the environment for you to grow, to be who you were meant to be. Not what society wants you to be, but what you were supposed to be to make mm. the contribution that you're supposed to be making. Mm. And unless you give the opportunity, the environment, which is what you're saying you want to do for these children, Wolf, I mean, that's amazing. How else can they be introspective? You're literally saying you're giving to children exactly why you're doing this podcast, which is you're being the mirror for them. You're mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to show you who you are, right? Because you need, if, if I don't reflect love back to you, how do you know what that is? You know, children go crazy if they don't have that human interaction. 100%. They literally, you have to have that. And these children today aren't having enough of it. And they're certainly not having the right kind of it. You know, you know, follow the wolf to me is the, here's the culture. If you're a wolf, right? This is how we behave. And it's natural instinct. This is, you're not, you're not cultivating something that's not true and authentic. You're actually saying, I want you to be true and authentic. So how do I help you, child, be true and authentic? So one of the things that I know, let's talk to you further about doing this with you, um, <laughs> is doing like personality profiles for the kids. Mm-hmm. Let's see where their genius is. You know, how do they learn? Then let's put them in a school environment that, you know, accentuates their ability the way they learn, not the way we want them to learn. So for example, <clears throat> I thought I was stupid until I was about 42 or so. Oh, Lord. I had taken a personality profile 
I was working at a job. I finally got a job. I was tired of trying to build a business and do self-employed stuff because, you know, it's challenging to do that. <clears throat> so I took this job and they had me do this personality profile and I came up really, really high. And they were like, you understand like, you know, what this is telling us? And I'm like, no, I don't get it. Like, whatever. But it, it wasn't until I started to see that they saw my creativity. When they started to see that I was bringing in like a chief creative officer, I was looking at what they were doing as a company. And then I was telling them, hey, you do this. And if you do that, you're going to see all this. And I didn't realize that what I was doing was so valuable to them that that was my genius. But because it was so easy, I didn't realize that, that was my genius. So I thought I was stupid. I was like, you know, who cares about this kind of stuff? Inevitably, of course, everybody does, but I didn't understand that that was valuable because nobody, let's go back to your point about mirroring, nobody mirrored back to me the value of what I was doing. So literally, it wasn't to this one guy who said to me, Juliana, you need to see why you're so you know, smart. Until then, I really didn't understand it. I didn't see you know, what my genius was. And because it's creativity, because it's vision, you know, and because I need a team, because I feel stupid, because I don't know how to like do computer, I don't know how to do a podcast, right? So here it is. Well, if you if you if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, you'll think it's stupid, right? Yeah. So I'm like the fish trying to climb a tree. Until somebody said, no, here's your genius, and this is why it's important, and, you know, this is how you implement your genius, and this is how you talk about your genius with other companies, this is how you monetize your genius, like all these things I had to learn, and I learned it through the company, you know, building this business, otherwise I had no idea, I really honestly thought I was stupid, that's what society had told me, society told me I was dumb, I was sexualized, you know, I didn't do well in high school, I did very well in college. I love, love, loved college because of the types of courses I was taking, but you know, yeah, no. How did you self-actualize? How did you come into knowing that you were like this guy named Wolf and what you were supposed to be doing? Well, from the comment, just a preference, uh, preface self-actualization, because my relation to it is based off of Maslow's hierarchy. Okay of self-actualization. So just my context where I look from is when your when your true self is in alignment with who you currently are. Your your ideal self versus who you are currently is the same. So there's like a, a gap, at least how I experience self-actualization. So even now like I don't relate to myself as being fully self-actualized. However, I relate to myself as 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 anyone is like a work in progress and my now biggest commitment to myself is loving every single aspect of my being and owning it, which is the process I'm going through now. Cause this one's tough. Cause I'm having to like have conversations with parents and family and, and, and other people just being very real and raw with them from a respectful place. That's one thing I always talk. I, I really try to hammer it is I'm going to be me and are working on being me 100% versus 95% or 90% or 80% depending on who I'm talking to. I just posted a video yesterday where I was frank on my social media. I was just like, you know, one of the things that people don't know about me is I curse. And I have this Im- embedded idea in my head that cursing was bad and that it's this inherently bad thing. You don't do that. But it's not godly. It's not all these things. And I'm not in alignment with it. I don't, I don't believe that it'd be true. For me, it was always an emphatic expression. I wasn't just someone who would just go and sling around curse words just because. But sometimes I'm just like, 
I just drop it and it would make sense in that context, but I, I made myself wrong and deemed unworthy because of that. And I'm getting a little bit off of on track here, kind of coming back to your point of self-actualization. The honest truth of how I got to that was because I had to go to the deepest, darkest pits of the other side, which was chronic depression and anxiety. And actually this, all comes together really nicely. I was doing every single thing that I was told that I was supposed to do. Doctor gave me a prescription. The prescription was go to school, get good grades, get a good job. One day, maybe you'll retire. So I went to school. I worked four jobs while I was going to college. Whilst dating, uh, dating somebody, whilst being the rock between a divorced family. I'm always the person people go to. And I had a series of events in my family uh, that were very unfavorable all in the same point. One of my closest friends took his own life and within weeks later got into a severe car wreck. And all of these things in conjunction, working and schooling, you know, 60 to 70 hours a week, which for me at that time was an immense amount for a 20-ish year old was never taught anything about mental or emotional health or anything like that. I had no real foundation other than what I taught myself. I got to a point where the truth, like the honest, truthful answer was there were so many days where I questioned what the point of going on, like, why should I keep going? Because there is no light here. There's nothing point. If this is a life that I meant to live for the rest of my life is doing all these things perpetually. I don't see the point. And I distinctly remember on my graduation day, 2018, I remember walking across the stage. Everyone's, you know, giving their, woo, hear your child's name, James Smith. Yeah. You know, like the whole like scene and everything. I walk across and walking past all these like Hogwarts, Hogwarts looking like administrators with all their crazy caps and gowns and everything looking real ornate. And I, I get my piece of paper and I sit down and everyone's super pumped and excited. And I look at this piece of paper. I'm just like, is this what all this was for? It was like my 10 seconds of my, of fame. And it was shortly before that, when I started getting into movement and acrobatics even further and much like how I, I heard in uh, an Aubrey Marcus podcast, he said that enthusiasm literally means, um, I think it was inspired by the gods or no possessed by the gods or possessed <laughs> by God in, in the sense that like your enthusiasm is your guide. If, sure. if it, if it lights you up, this is your inner guidance. And my deep need for validation, approval and acceptance was what was driving my behavior, not my enthusiasm. Wow. So the, the self-actualization process was realizing, holy crap, I've been trying to do my entire life based off trying to fill this hole of making sure that you approve and accept of me. Instead of your real why. Mm -hmm. Instead of what really drives you. <clears throat> yeah, that can drive me crazy. Yeah. So two years ago, um, so my team wasn't exactly going in the same direction with my company. 
and I had just a series of events that happened that May of 2018 set me into the worst midlife crisis I've ever seen. Like I had a total and complete nervous breakdown to the point where I couldn't get out of bed for six months. And when you're focused and your why is not where it should be, if you realize that your energies have gone in vain, like your whole psyche just goes haywire and you just go, what the heck? But you have to go through that awakening process of, okay, well, if that was wrong, okay, then what is right? And then how do you pivot from acknowledging and accepting the fact that you've done all of these things? Yeah, it's positive in the sense that you have a, a wonderful outcome, but you did it under the wrong pretense, right? But then how do you take that situation and turn it into the version of you that you want to be and finding the why? And what is your enthusiasm? But all of that, you know, as negative as it could be, is why you are where you are right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't see anything that, yeah, you had that moment and God, that really sucks. But then you just sit back and you go, I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't gone through all that and learned all of that. So how did you go from understanding that you were doing it for the wrong reason to finding where your enthusiasm and your why was? I think that is now more the journey that I'm on is I'm becoming more and more familiar with the things that I love. So like one of my like deep things I'm diving into now is neuroscience, epigenetics, neurogenetic, neurogenesis, and in essence, the science of possibility. And that dives into Joe Dispenza's work. Like his teachings are kind of like my model for a lot of my behavior because that in what he's teaching is in essence is how can we scientifically prove the mystical, which they've done with data. Yes, they have. And they're constantly doing all the time. So I'm just so sold on following that research because it's entirely about how do we reprogram our subconscious mind, which is responsible for 95% of our behavior, which by the way, only 5% of our behavior is being reported to be conscious, meaning we have any say about it. Our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, as he would say, determines our personality. Our personality is how we think, feel, and act. And if you can't think, feel, or act greater than to how you feel, then you continue to live out past Mm -hmm. experiences, emotions, and everything else. So Mm -hmm. it's this type of stuff. It's embodying that I love movement. It's embodying that I love people. And that the reason why I'm so pumped about this podcast is it's going to help me become more and more familiar with who I am on a core level. And I'm okay with being the person who comes on a podcast. And this is one of the things is I'm not, I don't want to pose myself as the expert who has everything figured out because that's not who I am. And I don't think that anybody who's listening to this podcast believes that either. I'm willing to be the person that's like, I don't have it figured out, but I'm going to be the one on the battlefield taking bullets going by. I'm the one who's be willing to be, take a punch in the chin who's willing to have those difficult conversations to figure it out. I don't know what it's going to take. It's probably going to take lots of crying and everything else, but it's conversations with you and other people who are willing to listen and reflect back. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like if I get nothing else from this podcast, it's just another affirmation of spend more time with people who see your vision from your perspective and want to add to it versus people who want to look at your vision and say, Oh, there's a better way to do that. It's like, "Mm, 
you've missed everything that I've said in my core, my message. I want to surround myself with people like you who are going to say, yes, oh my gosh, I see that. I have something I want to add on to that that I will, I believe will actually serve you. So it's a journey that's continuously being unraveled, but it's, it's being curious and being okay with owning the complexities and the weirdness. I like to say weirdness because I, I enjoy my weird. I think that weird is the, is becoming the new norm and I'm willing to be the leader of the new weird or be one of the people who's at the front of that movement. So I love everything that you said. Um, I'm on the same vein as you as far as studies concerned. Um, I studied neuro-linguistics programming for fun. Nice. Yeah, I know. My degree is in forensic psychology. Um, and so one day, real quick, my husband and the technician, uh, technologist, was at my whiteboard, and he was writing a code, and the code was a word plus NLP equals this. And I picked up my NLP book and I said, you mean like this? And RC goes, yes, what you studied 20 years ago is the precursor to part of our artificial intelligence. So what you're learning and studying right now is like some really cool stuff. Like absolutely science can prove, you know, a lot of the spiritual world and what's happening. Like, for example, if you think about the brain, it's all neurons, it's all energy. Well, if we know you can't, Destroy energy, you can't create energy. Well, then where does that energy go, right? And if it's a proven fact that you become point, I think it's 0.37 of an ounce lighter when you die, which means that there's something part of you that's part of this energy, as it goes, because everybody loses weight after they die. What is that? You're going to tell me that we're not connected to all to the all? You're telling me that we can hear things because I'm not the only one who hears. There's plenty of us who hear. Are we not? How are we connected? How is it that I can hear? We have to be connected. Mm -hmm. And when you're with everything and you get, and you, what I love about everything that you said is you're asking for the information, you're asking for the feedback, you're looking for the how am I awakening to who I really am and who that I could possibly be. And the best way to do that is with the other people around you who can just reflect back to you. My dad used to say to me that, <laughs> my dad used to say, if you want to get, have an, get an opinion on something, explain your situation to four different types of people. Then garnish all their opinions and then form your own. You know, because if you really want to understand something, you need to see from different people's perspectives. Even in psychology, we say, if you want to get to know somebody, hang out with four people. Right. Because if you and I are hanging out, well, that's one thing. But if we have two other people, they have different personalities. They're going to ask you different things. They're going to have different backgrounds. And you're going to learn more about me. I'm going to learn more about you because it's two other people. Don't make it more than four because then it gets all confusing and stuff like that. But, you know, it's really getting to know who that person is and being able to say, I also know something that maybe you would like to know. Or an area that you would, you know, would enhance you and study. Like the fact that I know what you're studying right now is like, oh my God, I can't wait to have the next conversation. Give me your notes and I'm like, what books are you reading? I want to read them too. Yep, I yep. love that. Because most people don't know anything about that world, but yet I love that world. I come from that world. Yeah. I mean, yeah. at its core, I, so I don't know too much about NLP, but I know this, I know it's neuro-linguistic programming and my basic foundational understanding of it, because I had curiosity about it. And the person who I know pioneers, or he's not pioneering the space, but somebody who's very well known is in respect is Tony Robbins. And that was like a lot of his foundation of his training was 
can you learn how to neuro of the mind or brain linguistically through the words that we speak begin to program mm-hmm. our re essentially rewiring our brain because just like how you pointed out earlier i'm glad this is coming full circle how you in essence were poo-pooing on yourself about how you have no zone of no zone of genius or brilliance and someone's just like please please look in the mirror and it's like this beautiful quote like i'm getting teared up right now just thinking about it i had this picture of someone someone painted and i don't know the exact quote i'm sure it's up somewhere but it says something along the lines of if only you could see yourself <laughs> through my eyes only then would you realize how beautiful you truly are i try to do that for people because i don't think people see how wonderful they are you know because you're the picture in the frame you don't see it you know so yeah i love that you're amazing wolf you're amazing it's a beautiful heart oh my gosh (laughs) i get to call you friend what an honor we're all just reflections right amen we are the universe that which we are right mm -hmm. yeah and you know i'm really grateful that that this ended up happening because you know i'm doing my reach outs and everything and my my biggest fear is like oh man like are people going to be willing to take the time to sit down for an hour whatever long the conversation is but what I'm now realizing is that the people who are meant for it are going to be the ones who are here. Amen. The conversations that are going to be had are the ones that are meant to be had. And mm-hmm. I hear and accept, and I'm, I'm not the best at receiving. I'm much better at giving, but I hear and accept and receive your acknowledgement of love and 100% thank you. I'm grateful for it. And at the same time, also mirror back that to you. That's the only reason why we're here. And Amen. I think that, naturally i think this is like such a perfect way to bring this conversation to an end right here is just like yeah i want to hug you i can't just see we right back to my thing is that we give big hugs Ah. (laughs) i'll see you soon though this was amazing i really appreciated getting to know you and thank you for wanting to get to know me like i this was wonderful really wonderful i appreciate it yeah for anybody listening I, I'm a big, I'm big, 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 big. You can share all these brilliant ideas and things we're up to and brilliant concepts and philosophies and quotes. We can share all those things in the world, but at the end of the day, fundamentally it requires new action for new results. What is one thing that somebody can take to begin following their wolf, begin in your own experience of it, following their truth, finding their way? Because if, if we're not anything other than a bunch of infinite souls who've been confused about who we truly are. And we've just like, as as I have come to learn is like falling out of the the grace of God and just realizing that we are of that. We we are of that. How do we begin to realize that? Because I think the more intimately we become connected to that, that's when we become whole. I agree. I think that comes with community. I think that, you know, to really find yourself is to be with other people and be in that love and love yourself first and foremost. I think that we don't have that. We don't value ourselves. We don't see our genius. We don't appreciate ourselves. We don't take the time to just reflect on how amazing we are as individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was so brilliant. Well said. For anyone who's listening, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, and I'm sure that you are on board with me when I say this, that 
who you are as you are is innately since your birth perfect and if you aren't getting that as a reflection back from the world around you please go and find yourself a community go and find your people i am i am your people we are your people the package your people i really got to get something built out for people to come to because i have yet to create a space to put everyone together whether it's a facebook page or something but if you're wanting to get connected to a pack to someone to a group of people who are willing to hear from you please 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 like go and create your own email me i follow me on social media like i haven't got that created yet hopefully by the time this comes around i'll have something but i want to find a way to bring these people together that's why i have the lab that's why i literally got this location so that we can come that's the that's literally that's the whole point we're gonna have a podcasting room a control room we're gonna have an event space so that we can come together and talk as a community about whatever we need to talk we need to i love like one way because we do community conversation let's just get together because we need to talk brilliant that's why i'm i will have to talk about this offline but i'm creating a uh uh, a movement follow your wolf sanctuary which is going to be integrating all these things so your lab is like the equivalent of that and i love it well i want to help you launch that whatever we can do to help you with that okay i'll let you close out see people community this is what happens this is what happens when you find your people and find your tribe Thank you so much for listening. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you for choosing to follow the wolf within you. Peace. Peace.